Welcome, Thought Leaders. I'm Beck Sands. I'm Andres Lopez Varela, and you're listening to the Thought Leader Show. If you're an ambitious professional, exec, CEO, or business owner looking to grow your personal brand and become a thought leader, you're in the right place. We'll bring you inspiring chats with people who use their personal brand to create successful careers or businesses and become thought leaders in their field. We'll also talk through some of the practical steps and must-dos that you can action to build your own personal brand. And this is what we're most excited about. You're going to see how being a thought leader gives you the opportunity to help others and support people to realize their goals. A personal brand might sound self-serving, but we're here to show you how it can actually have a positive impact on you, your community, and who knows, maybe even the world. Oh my goodness, you're back. Thank you so much for joining us, Thought Leaders. We're so happy to have you here. Uh, Welcome back to the Thought Leader Show. Welcome back, Beck. Thanks for showing up again. Appreciate it. (laughs) Always. (laughs) We're in the next room, so it's kind of easy to show up. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super professional, super professional. But I'll tell you who is a super professional. Our guest today, right? Greg Stark, the director of Better Bean, is the author of Sweat Equity, uh, peak performance for the leaders of today and tomorrow. Uh, And he's the go-to coach for stressed out corporate executives. Yes, he is a health expert who has been for many years, um, you know, an expert commentator on uh, not just physical health, but uh, mental health and also now um, well-being at work. He's worked with clients like the Commonwealth Bank, Coca-Cola, Herbert Smith, Freehills, lots of big brands. Um, and he is really just about all about helping people lead happier, healthier, kind of fuller, more fulfilling lives. And, you know, I mean, I think we can all get behind that, right? 100%. He has um, built an exceptional personal brand um, over the years, primarily through media. And I can't wait to chat with him about that. Yeah, that's something which uh, we haven't quite had um, uh, in our in our set of interviewees and guests so far. So we're looking forward to chatting to him about that. So thought leaders, get yourself a cup of tea and a Tim Tam, turn up the volume and get ready to welcome Greg Stark to the Thought Leader Show. Greg, thank you so much for coming on to the Thought Leader Show. We're so excited to have you here. It's my pleasure. It's great to uh, return the favour after Andreas came on our show earlier. Yeah, we had a great chat actually on the Better Being podcast and uh, about workplace mental health, a topic close to my heart and obviously, you know, uh, aligned with the work that you do, Greg. So today, yes, thank you for returning the favour. And we're going to be talking about your personal brand and what you think about thought leadership. And uh, I think we always start by asking the question, how would you describe your personal brand in a sentence or a couple of sentences? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I guess I don't think a lot about my personal brand, but what I do think about is who am I, what do I enjoy doing, and how can I add value? So if I had to, I guess, put that into a articulate sentence, it would be about uh, helping people in leading a happier, healthier life. And that drives everything that, that I do and, and what I want to be known for. I love how crystal clear that is. You're just like, it rolls off the tongue. You're like, I know exactly what I'm known for. And I think like personal brand can feel sometimes like, oh, what is it? Like, is that how I look or is that like what my brand colors are or how I dress? But it's like really in a nutshell, exactly like who am I? What do I stand for? Who do I help? 
Um, yeah, so I love that so much. Thank you so much for for sharing that. And I read your book actually. So I've got it here. <laughs> I know this isn't to talk about your book, but I did get it. I did pick it up and read it and I loved it. So thank you so much for the work you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I need to implement that. Oh, I need to do that. Um, I loved the lifestyle questions, like just to ask yourself every day, like, how am I feeling? You know, what have I eaten in the last 24 hours? How did I sleep last night? And I think it's not just good for training, but for everything, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's, you know, when we look at health, it's got to be holistic. You've got to look at all those things. And and if we're going to look at personal development, it's got to start with self-awareness. And so those questions raise that awareness and get you thinking about, yeah, how, how are you functioning? What are you doing? Are you doing things that, that are helping you or hindering you? Yeah, so, so good. Um, so, yeah, I love the work that you do and you're, you know, you help people to live healthier lives. Um, what are some of the steps that you've taken, I guess, to grow your visibility? I'm going to use the word personal brand as well, even though I know you sort of, yeah, you weren't using that word. But, you know, what are some of the deliberate steps that you've taken to be more visible to, I guess, spread your message and to help more people? Yeah, again, it's... Uh I'm really enjoying this this podcast for that reason because it, it makes me reflect on, on a lot of those things that, that you just do over the years without maybe even realising the impact that it's had to get to where I am, am now. And, and I guess if I look back to the point of being at the end of school and you're trying to decide what career path you want to go down and, again, having you know the desire to want to help people, having had a history of sporting injuries and wanting to learn more about the human body and how it operates – um, you know, making that decision to study sports and exercise science was probably the first thing that set me down that path uh, in terms of what my personal brand is. And then I think when I was at university, looking around the room, realising at the end of the degree, we all end up with the same bit of paper and really thinking about what am I going to do to differentiate myself from, from my classmates. Um, so that's where I st- – yeah, yeah. And again, it, I surprised myself looking back going – why was I thinking like that when I was 18, 19? But, uh, you know, that then uh, led to me starting my own personal training business uh, so that I had somewhere to apply what I was learning. Um, and I also volunteered for a lot of the, the PhD studies that were going on. So I built really good networks with my, my senior lecturers and professors at the university that then, you know, opened doors and pathways to then work with elite sporting teams towards the end of my career. And then obviously working with those teams and running my own business, uh, you know, I got to a point where I had to think about what, what really filled me up, what, what brought me happiness, what did I enjoy the most? And, you know, I always think back to one of the very first clients that I had um, and, you know, a week into to working with her, went into the consultation room and she just started crying and I thought, oh, no, I've, I've stuffed this up. Um, you know, one week in, maybe this isn't a career for me, but the reason she was crying was that it was the first time in 10 years that she had slept through the night. And the only thing she had changed in that time was she started exercising. So for me, stories like that is what fills my cup. It makes me feel good. Uh, and I guess that's what set me on the path of, of wanting to go down the career that I, that I have. Um, and I think that was some of the really formative stuff in those early years in, in creating that brand, knowing where I wanted to be uh, and then other opportunities have, have come off the back of that. 
I was just going to ask you, like, in terms of, like, so that's amazing how you, I guess, got clear on on your path and how you, what you wanted to do. But just wondering, like, also, what else, what did you do, like, in terms of, what are some of the key things over the years that you've done in terms of visibility? So, like, do you do regular speaking? You've obviously got an amazing book. Um, you know, what, like, do you do a lot of media interviews? What are some of those key visibility activities that you do? Yeah, so again, if I come back to the early days of the, the business, something that I felt very strongly about was that uh, in the industry at the time, you could become a personal trainer off a four-week certificate. And I felt that that wasn't good enough when it comes to advising people about their health. Um, you know, if you want to be a hairdresser, you, you, you can't cut hair for the first 12 months but we were allowing people to go off and give advice off, off four weeks. So, you know, a, a big part of our mission was to try and reform the industry. I met with industry bodies, but I started working a lot with the media. Um, again, I'd, I'd come across different um, case studies of people where they got severely injured from, and again, not necessarily individual incompetence, but I guess from that, that lack of standards within the industry. Um, and that built a relationship. Men's Health Magazine did a, a six-page feature on, on that uh, and then off the back of that invited me to be one of their, their health experts as part of their panel. That then led to me, uh, you know, contributing and writing for a lot more publications as well. Uh, that then led to workshop opportunities uh, off that uh, and then obviously, yeah, the, the book, which I'm very grateful that you, you've purchased and read through and debated over dinner, um, you know, that that sort of led to that. And that's all led to, I guess, where I am today, where we're now working with businesses about how do we create uh, environments within them to help people lead that happier and healthier life. It's a mission-based kind of approach, isn't it, Greg? Because uh, I guess, like you said at the beginning, you're, you know, quote unquote personal brand um, is around helping others live a happier and healthier, more full life. Uh, and then, you know, you, you identified that challenge around personal trainers being potentially, you know, <clears throat> underprepared for the challenges they face and sort of making that an important priority for yourself uh, in the work that you do. Um, and I think that's something that we, we are, we are finding more and more as we talk to more people on the show that, Sometimes those things happen <laughs> accidentally. You know, you, you accidentally get asked to become a men's health columnist. You accidentally get asked to run some workshops and sort of things kind of snowball from there. Um, but the way you take advantage of those opportunities um, to build out the mission um, can be, you know, very, very um, meaningful because it's helping people in, in ways maybe that you didn't expect. And, and, I think that's something that um, we're hearing more and more is that people have these personal brands. They do this work that kind of uh, snowballs um, because they want to help people in their community or they want to help others that they know or, or you know, more broadly. Um, and that that becomes a really important aspect. And in some ways, maybe the most powerful of, of all personal brands is those mission-based ones. Have you felt like you've been sort of on a mission at certain points in your, in your career? Yeah, again, it's it's a great point. Um, yeah, I think in a way, yes, it, it has been been a, a mission of mine, more so to just genuinely help people has always yeah, been yeah. been the mission. Uh, I think probably one of the challenges I, I see a bit in society now is that the word purpose gets used a lot, 
you know, everyone must find their purpose of work. You know, a business must have a, a purpose that it's it's going towards. And again, I, I feel quite lucky that at a young age, I was able to sort of, I guess, work out my, my purpose. But I think more important than purpose, it's it's having values and understanding what your values are and being aligned to those values and doing work that um, comes back to, to those values. And I guess even that example I gave earlier around the standards within the industry, I think I got to a point where I felt like it was actually detracting from what my purpose was in a way that it was more, I was getting so much energy into trying to change the industry and not enough energy into actually helping people and coming back to that. So That's interesting. I think it's, yeah, it, it's consciousness and awareness is, is really important and, and yeah, being, being aware of what, what you value. Just out of curiosity, um, Greg, what is it now? Is it like, is it still the four weeks or has it changed and evolved or? Uh, I haven't checked recently, um, but I imagine it is fairly similar uh, to what it is, what it was then, Um, you know, commercially viably. It makes a lot of sense to, to get people through courses quickly. But, you know, the challenge with that as well, they have a huge turnover of people coming into yeah. the industry, feeling underprepared and leaving the industry. The stats were all there. Um, but, yeah, I think these days as the business evolved, we, we've just distanced ourselves. And I guess, you know, that's a good point as well, that you want to surround yourself in an environment that, you know, is reflective of who you are. Um, mm-hmm. So so we follow, um, you know, Exercise and Sports Science Association of Australia, their, their standards are more aligned to to who, who we are as a business and, and who we want to be. And in every industry, right, there's always like, you know, really good people, really experienced people, and those are the ones you want to work with, right, as opposed to, yeah, there's, all, you know, not so good people in every industry. Yeah, and, and again, I think that's the point I used to, to be really clear on as well, that, you know, I've got a lot of friends in the industry and I'm ne- it's, it's never about you know, them being, um, you know, not good coaches or, or whatnot. Uh, some of the best coaches I know have gone through that that system. But for me, it's about protecting the consumer at the end yeah. of the day. And those people that, that aren't necessarily as competent as, as those friends of mine, uh, we need to give them the best chance to be able to support people and protect people so that they're getting the right advice um, and, you know, have the skill set to really help help people. In, in their health and well-being. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. And um, so this work that you've, that you've done uh, and this sort of, you know, I guess this, I want to call it this body of work that you've accumulated over the years in, in, in this particular area, um, you know, you, you consult with large clients, large brands um, to help make their workplaces, you know, more overall holistically healthy, I guess. But then also um, you do have this history, which is uh, very much, you know, in sport, obviously, you know, um, working with the um, with the players at the rugby league team, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and uh, working with athletes. Um, so aside from the technical aspects of your work over the years, um, how else would would you say that you know reflecting on that body of work has your personal brand and this mission helped you kind of progress in your career to the point where um, you're doing this very kind of you know uh, meaningful work? Yeah, again, I guess just to clarify that question. Uh, sorry, can, we can edit all this this out. But um, are you referring to I guess the the crossover there between? 
the world of athletes and the world that, that we're now working in. Yeah, yeah. So, so how has the um, the your your combination of work in in that world of sport, elite sport, and you know uh, business, um, like how how has your kind of mission or your personal approach and and you know what we've been talking about, how has that contributed to you being able to grow into those different roles? Because it's a progression, right? It's not like necessarily you like got promoted from one role into the other, right? You you sort of progressed and evolved yourself into those new roles. Yeah. So I guess in, in regards to that, you know, in, in that evolution from working with athletes, you know, athletes have this really high performance mindset. You know, they've got to turn up and perform at their, their best under huge amounts of pressure. We know that as coaches, you know, we, we need to make sure holistically we're preparing them. So what they eat, how they sleep, how they think, what training they've done in preparation is all going to influence that performance at the end of the day. Um, that then translated into them working with executives who, again, have that high-performance mindset. They need to perform cognitively more than they do physically uh, compared to athletes, uh, but the fundamental behaviours of what they have to do are the same. Mm. Then what had happened from there is those executives felt the benefits of, of preparing themselves and looking after themselves in that way. They wanted the same thing for their teams and, and helping their teams become high-performing teams. Those teams then got great results and then it was a case of, well, let's, let's do this throughout businesses now. How do we get the entire business to, to perform like a high-performing team? So um, I think, again, coming back into – opportunity has led to further opportunity and, and, and once you've you know done well with one opportunity that next opportunity just makes sense as, as the next step and, and being ready to apply those same principles in that new environment. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I love that evolution and I think like you know it kind of goes back to that the idea that like you know you can translate experience in from one field into another um nothing's ever wasted your career kind of evolve can evolve over time your business can kind of evolve over time um i guess as your interests change um and things like that so yeah thank you so much for sharing so good um so i'm not gonna ask you a little bit about mindset so as a coach i guess you coach people on mindset and you train people i guess you know how to how to perform in a in a in a great capacity like in a very high capacity so what are some of the mindset um techniques that you use for yourself and that you've used i guess in your career to to you know increase your visibility and like you know before you get on stage and speak to people or before you do a media interview and those kinds of things what are some of your your tips there yeah, mindset's uh, it's an interesting one. I mean, we, we look at things mainly around how do we create drive and motivation, how do we create resilience, and, and how do we create happiness and fulfillment. So, uh, you know, from that mindset piece, we feel that there are three really core elements that if we have those from a mindset piece, all challenges that come to us, we can, we can overcome. Um, so I think, you know, if we, if we look at things like drive and motivation, you know, knowing, knowing what it is that you're passionate about, you know, what is it that you want to do? How do you measure success? And, and again, what, what is the purpose or the value of that um, is key. And I guess if we look at how does that, you know, then translate, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome and, and things like that and, and getting up on, on stage, you know, I think I, 
I've probably had degrees of that, but nothing, nothing crippling um, because I think my mindset has always been to just add value. How can, how can I give something of value to someone to walk away with and, and, and create impact? Um, so I think that's probably one of the, the key mindset pieces is, is, again, how can I add value in this scenario and, and think about that end user um, as to, to the value um, I, can, I can give there. I guess another really great example of that is when I was going through the process of, of writing the book, the publisher that, that I was dealing with said, who are you writing this book for? What is their story? Um, and in that writing process, that, that really helped me in really thinking about who am I writing this, this book for and, and almost wrote to them in, in a sense of how I can help them and, and add value in that scenario. Can I ask you about that, right? Because this is something which I think um, we all struggle with a little bit when we're doing, you know, presentations or we're developing materials or, you know, writing books or even articles or things like that or doing interviews. That, that idea of who am I talking to and what do they want out of this? Why are they here? How important do you think that is to make sure that as, you know, experts or thought leaders, if you like, we make sure that we create that impact and we deliver that value yeah, again, uh, knowing your audience is always really key. And, and again, we do that with different programs that we run. So, uh, you know, the lifestyle of, you know, someone working in corporate head office and how they consume information, the challenges they face is very different to someone who might be working operationally in supply chain. You know, that you know, a lot of these people don't even know what their email address is and, you know, we can't expect them to be familiar with, with these different formats. So we always, whenever we design anything, is start with who are we talking to and how do they consume information? What does their life look like right now? And how can we help improve that for them? And what information do they need to take that first step in, in making change and then build momentum from there? So I think always, no matter whether you, we're doing marketing, whether we're creating programs, really starting uh, with the client first and who the audience is and, and who are you trying to speak to and what, what might they need that's going to add value is, is king. And do you think that that Greg that graduated uh, from university was asking himself, what am I going to do to differentiate myself? Do you think that maybe that was like young Greg kind of thinking that same question early on? Yeah, now we're going, starting to go deep thinking about um, <laughs> young Greg. I mean, yeah, I still Psychological. Feel- I still feel like young Greg often. Yeah, yeah, younger, <laughs> younger Greg. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I think over the years I've, I've always been, look, if I go back to who am I, which is the, the question when we're talking about personal brand, I would say that I'm someone who's very caring. I'm always thinking about others. Um, and I think that that's always helped me in my personal relationships, but also I think from a work perspective is, rather than going, this is what I want to, you know, project onto everyone else, but actually how can I help, how can I serve, is who I am, is what the business is about, is what we look for when we're hiring people into our business, that people have that genuine care to want to help others is is the key. So, mm-hmm. yeah, again, that, that coming back to that, that value. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, just on the point of giving value and coming from like the perspective of what do other people need. I love that because sometimes, you know, there is a misconception that 
personal brands can be self-serving or that, you know, people that are visible kind of want to be celebrities or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like every single person we've had on this podcast um, have always, you know, had such a beautiful mission at heart to help other people and like coming from that place. It's like that's why they're, you know, being visible. That's why they're going on media. That's why they're speaking in front of people. It's It's to help other people. Do you Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. And again, we, we talk about this often. I think something that I've struggled with in my career, you know, particularly the fitness industry is, you know, it's probably the birthplace of the influencer. Um, and, you know, I, I really, you know, that influencer culture. Thanks for nothing, you guys. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> does, does not sit well with me. Um, but how I like to think about it is how can I be influential? Um, mm, yeah. you know, and again, that's coming back to being authentic to who I am. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy social media. You know, I, I use it to consume information, uh, at times, but you know, I don't think I've posted anything on my personal, uh, social media for the last six or seven years. Um, so again, it's just not something natural to me, but I think, um, yeah, how can how can we be influential um, to help you know improve people's lives is is again something that I've always been quite conscious of, um, and that influential can be going through media, it can be you know delivering workshops, it can be consulting to corporations to make workplaces better for people to come in. That has far bigger impact than how many likes can I get on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever the the latest uh, platform is now. I love this so much because I feel like it's such a beautiful example as well of building an influential kind of business and really helping people without social media. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, we, we use social media for our business because again, it's really important in conveying you know, who, who, what our philosophy is, what our brand is about. We still use it and it plays like a role. Yeah. And, and again, we use it for advertising and, and those sort of things. There's many, many great aspects to it. But again, if we're coming back to me as a person and a personal brand, um, yeah, I, I've found a way to, to be influential without having to be an influencer, I'd like to think. Absolutely. So good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to move on to the Thought Leader 5. Or, Andres, did you want to ask? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to if you want to give it a go, if it's your first time asking these questions. It is my first time doing the Thought Leader 5. Okay, okay I'll do it. <laughs> um, Greg, what is your favorite book or podcast? Favorite book or podcast? There's many. Um Probably Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, oh, yeah. um, the story of Nike. Great book. Really enjoyed that. I probably, you know, I watched the, the movie a couple of weeks ago as well, Air, which is, you know, about the Michael Jordan component to that. Yes. But, um, you know, I think he's he's one of the great entrepreneurs of, of um, yeah, the modern era. Amazing. That's a great book. That's my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's one thing you do to unwind and relax? I guess my favorite thing to do is social social sports been a big part of my life forever. Um, I typically play cricket in the summer and football 
soccer for depending what part of the world you're from <laughs> um, in the winter. Uh, and for me, it's not just the the physical aspect of of playing the the sport, but you know the social connection, the the time that we spend together uh, after a game. Um, you know that that's that's really valuable time for me during during the week. And I think if I can dare say talk back to to COVID times. Uh, where those things were removed, again, you know, I was able to exercise and do all those things. But it's that 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 human interaction, mm, that yeah. human connection that I get through that. Um, and if I'm not getting that, I, I know how it changes how I feel about myself. And and yeah, it's a really important part to to me. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. Absolutely agree. Um, dream travel destination. Somewhere you haven't been, somewhere you haven't been that's on the bucket list. Oh, that's, uh, again, a great question. I, I love traveling. It's one of my, my favorite things to do. Uh, one of my favorites is the Greek islands. We've got family over there, so it is one of my favorites. But since I can't choose one that uh, I've, <laughs> I've already gone to, uh, somewhere I haven't been that I would love to go to is actually Japan. I, you know, there's, there's great awesome. culture there. Um, yeah, everyone I go speaks really highly of it. I think that that would be a, a great travel destination. Yeah, absolutely. I hear it's good I skiing. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chocolate or cheese? Oh, that's a no-brainer. Chocolate, chocolate every day yes. of the week. I've always yes, had it. That's right the right answer, Greg. That's the right answer, mate. I'll tell you what. People come on here and they're like, cheat, no, or, or both. No, chocolate is the right answer. That. That's the only one of the five questions. Yeah, chocolate as well, but yeah. Chocolate. Um, <laughs> uh, what's one final golden nugget of advice that you'd like to leave for our listeners? Golden nugget of advice. Look, I, I've got a very unique tattoo. Uh, not many not, not many people have it. It's, it's Carpe Diem. Um, <laughs> you know, it's very special, but... I think for me, it's always been a bit of a, a life motto and I feel it, it fits in well with the conversation that we've had today. For yeah. for me, it's about making the most of every opportunity. You don't know where your next opportunity is, is going to come from. Um, you know, growing up, mum was an English teacher. She was a big fan of the movie The Dead Poet Society um, and that, that scene where he's talking about all these young men who have come before them and the difference between them is going to be who are the ones that seize the day and, and make the most of, of the opportunity. But I think making the most of opportunity and also knowing who you are and where you want to go is the most important. So is that one little golden bit of advice or uh, <laughs> a long-winded answer to you know, I love that phrase. story. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, that's great. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much for being on the show, Greg. It's been so lovely to talk to you. It's been my pleasure. Greg, where can people find out more about you and the work you do? Uh, Bitterbeing.com.au uh, has all the work that, that we do as a company and some information about myself there. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best social uh, platform to, to connect with me. I, I think I do about two posts a year on there, but they're really good. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn would probably be the best. So yeah, Greg Stark on LinkedIn would be amazing. And we're going to link to all that in the show notes as well. Excellent. Thank you. Greg, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the Thought Leader Show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
I really enjoyed that chat with Greg. It's not my first chat with Greg. Obviously, I was on his podcast, The Better Being podcast, um, uh, recently. Um, but I think he uh, his work is really unique. His portfolio and his body of work is really unique. And he also has this kind of really great sense of um, uh, the impact that his work is doing. Like, he's doing it very specifically for the impact. And I think that that really is admirable, yes, but also textbook thought leader. And I think that there's some great lessons in there um, about combining that mission into intertwining it into your personal brand. It makes it far more compelling. Yeah, coming from that values, um, values first kind of approach. So, really looking at like, what are my values? What is it that I want to do? Um, who am I? Who am I serving? Yeah. Like, what is my message to yeah. them? How am I? How can I support them? And then, you know, knowing that it's not about you, like when you're speaking and when you're giving workshops and when you're doing media interviews, it's not actually about you. It's about, you know, the message that others are able to then get from from the words that yeah. you're speaking. So, you know, and like it, I think you can just feel a lot less um, self-conscious really when you're putting yourself out there if you do have, you know, a, a values-based mission to help other people. And I think that that's what Greg really does so well. And, you know, it's testament to the work that he does that, you know, he's not one of those fitness influencers. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that at all. I think, you know, in in certain instances, I feel like it's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, the fact that he's been able to be influential yeah. Yeah. without, you know, just promoting on social media. Um, he's used other methods. Yeah, he's used other methods to, to I guess, um, extend his reach, like, you know, primarily media, which has led to then other opportunities. And I guess that's the power of PR. Yeah, right? and, and I think also um, his is an interesting lesson. I don't think we've had someone on the show yet um, talk about how they've used um, those kind of traditional media channels to uh, do their work, quote unquote, um, and, and sort of um, share their expertise and, and kind of, you know, give value and impact to people's lives. And I think he's certainly one. And, you know, it's true that, it, you know, it's not something that can happen to everyone. Uh, not everybody has the opportunity to do that. Uh, but I think Greg is a great example of someone who is really, taken those opportunities to kind of um, deliver more and more value and, and more and more impact over time, understanding the power and the reach and the um, influence of those channels and how they can actually be used for good. Um, I think, you know, he's a great example of that and really, inter really interesting how he threaded together those different opportunities into the work that he's doing now with Better Being and with, uh, and with large corporates too. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, just on the kind of um, point about the media, I feel like the landscape has changed so much. So, you know, these days it would be a lot harder to um, get, you know, get yourself into a platform like a 
like a men's health or something like that. Like it wouldn't be, you know, it used to sort of be you could pitch to it and then, you know, you get an opportunity and then like there was just a lot more journalists. Yeah, there was a lot more journalists. There was a lot more media. You could come up with a good idea and then just pitch yourself in and then get it. Whereas I think it's a little bit more challenging nowadays, not to say that it's not possible, but yeah, certainly the market's a lot more saturated. There's a lot less journalists. A lot of media is paid. And so, yeah, there is, you know, I feel like it has changed a lot and certainly, you know, in today's world, it would be a bit more, a bit harder and potentially, you know, just thinking in terms of a marketing PR kind of perspective to build your personal brand, I feel like you do probably need to have multiple channels these days. Very true. You're spot on. And the same is the case for any brands, any actual brands, businesses and organizations. I think that's one of the big lessons that um, thought leaders can take from big brands is the need to A, build on some kind of channel or platform that you can own and control, uh, but also B, um, distribute through the through many channels to the to, to the, your audience, uh, wherever they might be. Don't be very concerted as to who your audience is, like Greg said, but then be diversified in the way that you try to reach them. It can't be done in one place or the other. And I think that that is a, that is a really important lesson for anyone starting out in this journey um, is to understand that uh, they can't just be in one place and sort of, you know, hope that everyone's going to find them because that's not necessarily going to be the case. And I think Greg in particular understands that really well. And he's sort of been quite deliberate about expanding his reach and his influence through many, many different channels. Yeah. And with the intention of impacting more people, right? Yeah. Like of, of helping Just more people. Doing good work. Um, yeah. And I think that that is the ultimate, you know, when it comes to building your personal brand, those are the people that succeed are the people that, you know, have a mission that have some have other people's best interests at heart that really want to support other people that, you know, that can really clearly define their mission and really clearly define who they help as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's that's I think is the most important it. aspect in everything that we love to that we love to think, you know, good thought leadership is about. Such a great chat. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Leader Show. If you enjoyed this chat, we'd love you to share the episode with someone you think might want to hear it and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more information about my work, visit becksands.com and connect with me on socials. And you can connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. See you next time, Thought Leaders. So, yeah, I'm in the spare room. Hopefully, um, I'm not sure if the cat's under the bed. Do you think? We'll find out. <laughs> Do you think? We'll find- I mean, the audio quality is definitely better. Hopefully, the better. editors will thank you for that. But they won't thank yeah. you if there's like crazy cat noises. <laughs>